This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. Religious nonprofit organizations in Missouri have their tax status protected. However, a regulation from the Missouri Human Rights Commission and a state Supreme Court ruling put that in jeopardy. It may well have been an oversight rather than an intentional effort to strip the tax exempt status, but it was on the books. Some state legislators saw the danger and they worked quietly behind the scenes to correct the situation. Senate Bill 43 passed the legislature and is awaiting the governor's signature. State Senator Bob Dixon was one of the legislators who saw the danger to religious nonprofits and took action. I speak with Senator Dixon on World Lutheran News Digest. And now today's fast track. I'm Sarah Golseth with news in brief of interest to Lutherans worldwide. The Thomas More Society sued the city of St. Louis on behalf of several Catholic organizations that say a recent ordinance banning discrimination based on reproductive health decisions violates their constitutional rights to freedom of religion and speech. Sarah Pitlick, Thomas More Society Special Counsel, explained in a statement that the term reproductive health decisions in the ordinance is so overbroad as to include any decision that is in any way related to contraceptive use or abortion. The law would therefore force nonprofit organizations like Our Ladies Inn, whose mission is to promote and facilitate abortion alternatives, to hire abortion advocates despite their opposition to the ministry's reason for existence. A Kentucky appeals court issued a ruling affirming a Lexington printer's freedom to decline orders that would require him to promote a message in conflict with his religious beliefs. In 2014, the Lexington Fayette Urban County Human Rights Commission ruled that Blaine Adamson of Hands-On Originals must print messages that conflict with his faith when customers ask him to do so. Alliance Defending Freedom attorneys appealed the order to the Fayette Circuit Court, which reversed the commission's ruling. In an address to graduating seminarians, United States Supreme Court Justice Samuel A. Alito Jr. emphasized the importance of religious freedom and the dangers it faces today. Religious freedom means that no one is forced to act in violation of his own beliefs, Alito said, according to the Catholic Philly. Alito gave the keynote address at the concursus ceremony for the graduating class of St. Charles Borromeo Seminary in Philadelphia on May 17th. Evangelical leaders are praising President Trump for pressing the release of American pastor Andrew Brunson during Trump's meeting with the Turkish president. Brunson, a North Carolina native, has been detained in Turkey since October. A new Gallup poll shows that only 24% of Americans believe the Bible is the literal word of God, which is a decline from the 1970s, but the survey also shows that the number of Americans who think the Bible is the inspired word of God, 47%, has stayed pretty steady over the last 40 years. In addition, an overwhelming majority of Americans, 71%, believe the Bible is a holy document inspired by God or containing God's own words. The Oklahoma House of Representatives passed a resolution on May 8th declaring abortion to be murder and directing every public official in the state to use their authority to stop the murder of innocent children by abortion. 
The resolution does not have the force of law, but it does reflect the policy view of the Oklahoma House. World Liquor News Digest will be back right after these messages. Listening to Worldwide KFUO on the go with your smartphone doesn't mean you have to walk around with earbuds all day. You can Bluetooth across the room to a speaker system in your home or listen on radios that have built-in smartphone cradles. There are many easy ways to listen to WorldwideKFUO.org on the air, online, and on demand. We proclaim the clear gospel message of Christ crucified for our sins. The messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO. Hi, I'm Pastor William Whedon, LCMS Director of Worship. Jesus said some hard things in John 6, and lots of his disciples turned away and stopped following him. He asked the 12 if they wanted to go too. Peter responded for them all, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Words of eternal life, those are the words your Jesus has for you. Join me for the next broadcast of Thy Strong Word, 11 a.m. Central on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. There's a special place where rare books from times long ago come alive in your imagination. A special place where you can rediscover values that transcend time itself. A special place of adventure, mystery, and drama that's both old and new at the same time. Lamplighter Theater. Saturday mornings at 11 on KFUO Radio. Hi, I'm Pastor Mark Hawkinson, host of Moments of Assurance, Sunday at 9.15 a.m. right here on KFUO Radio. Each week I have the privilege of producing a quarter hour of message, music, and prayer blended together to fit a special theme for that day. You'll hear messages of hope and complete confidence in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. You'll hear choirs and instrumentals to support the message as well. So I invite you to join me. That's Moments of Assurance, Sunday morning at 9.15 a.m. I'm Pastor Matt Youngblood-Clark from Ascension Lutheran in St. Louis. And I am Pastor Jolly John Lekumski from St. Paul's and New Athens and Trinity in Darmstadt, and we welcome you to listen to Wrestling with the Basics. Matt, 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 let go of me, Matt. No, no, it's not real wrestling. We're just talking about Bible issues. No. Oh, 9.05 Saturday mornings, 8.50 a.m. KFUO. This is World Lutheran News Digest. I'm Kip Allen, host of World Lutheran News Digest. My guest today is Missouri State Senator Bob Dixon. Senator Dixon, could you explain a little bit about who you are to our audience? Certainly, Kip. It's good to be with you. Bob Dixon uh, represent uh, the, basically the city of Springfield, but it's the 30th senatorial district in the Missouri Senate. And uh, certainly uh, appreciate and enjoy the opportunity to do so. Uh, Senator, the reason I asked you to be on the program is uh, concerning Senate Bill number 43. Uh, this is a bill that I understand you inserted some language in, and it was kind of interesting in that originally it was supposed to be a tort reform type bill, but it so happened that uh, you corrected an awful lot of damage that had been done to potential damage, I guess, to religious liberty in the state of Missouri. This goes back to something that the Missouri Human Rights 
Rights Commission and the Missouri State Supreme Court did a few years ago. What was the situation? There's actually the problems that uh, were caused were twofold. Uh, number one, regulatory action over the years really um, nullified the religious uh, employer exemption in Missouri statute. And then when the Farrow case came down a, a couple of years ago, several years ago, the court basically looked at our exemption for religious organizations uh, in the statute and said, because of the one word chain, because of the one word that's in there, it, it says owned and operated by religious organizations. That and legally makes it of no effect because no one can actually own a nonprofit. So the the problem was twofold again, the regulations, and then the court followed the law, but the court in its action also cited the regulation and essentially it rendered our religious exemption moot of no effect and i don't blame the court i say the legislation was probably drafted incorrectly and it should have been or to begin with so that's what we've changed it's literally a one-word change uh, makes an enormous difference in the statutes and then we changed one other word just to be more clear from religious groups to religious organizations could you explain a bit about what the religious or uh, the religious exemption actually is well if you're an employer in missouri you are under certain uh, restrictions who you can hire and so forth the State law has always granted an exception to religious organizations because of the principle of separation of church and state uh, and the understanding in long American tradition that the state should never dictate to the church. Uh, they are on, in my opinion, uh, equal footing between uh, equal footing before our maker, frankly. And uh, so that's been the American tradition, that one doesn't dictate to the other. And um, the issue here really is, should the state be dictating to religious organizations their internal policies and practices? And of course the answer is no. So in making the change, we assure that religious affiliated, and it's any religion, it's not just Christian uh, religion, uh, but any religious affiliated universities, schools, not just churches, but organizations that are owned or operated by religious organizations are free from government dictation. Now, I understand that the uh, this could have affected anything from uh, the, the Missouri Baptist Children's Home, faith-based colleges and churches could have faced discrimination laws. Uh, for example, here at the, I actually worked directly for the, for the uh, Missouri Synod, and we do give preference to hiring Lutherans. Mm -hmm. uh, with that, that would have been endangered. That's absolutely correct. And uh, frankly, it already was endangered because of the court case a few years ago and the way our statute read. Now, there had been no lawsuits to say you can't only hire Lutherans, but those, because of the legal precedent, in my opinion, those were very dangerously uh, uh, possible under the existing law. So what we've done is we've changed and to or, which seems like a small change, but it has enormous impact. And here's the thing. Freedom is for everyone, everyone. This is good for all Missourians. It's good for all Missourians of faith, no matter what faith they are of. But
but it's good for people of no faith also. It's good for Missourians because freedom is for everyone. Indeed, it seems that would be the case. And I think we have seen in other states where uh, religious organizations have indeed come under attack for very similar reasons. I, I look at the power of uh, various uh, human rights organizations or, or civil rights commissions in other states, and there is a, a long string of abuse. Fortunately, I don't think we've had it here in Missouri, but perhaps I'm wrong. Uh, but in other states, certainly. Have you observed this? You know, as I look out across uh, Missouri and as I look out across uh, our nation, I see many, many people, not just religious organizations and those that would be opposed to whatever its members, whatever members it is, believe, but I see division everywhere. And I believe that it is time for us to declare that freedom is for everyone. And rather than fight these skirmishes, and they're, to your point, yes, there have been skirmishes, people attacking people of faith, wanting to dictate what they can think, what they can believe, what they can practice. And honestly, I've, I've looked at it from as a person of faith myself, and I've thought, we want to live our faith. We don't want to dictate to others you know, freedom is for everyone. I hope and my personal prayer is that our nation and our state find a place of peace and unity. And that's why I just will continue to sing the refrain, peace, uh, freedom is for everyone. Freedom is for everyone. Well, we certainly hope so. I know you've echo, you have echoed uh, a similar a similar belief that we have that you know we live by our faith mm-hmm. you live by your faith we never try to impose it on someone else we right. would like to expose them to it and discuss it with them if they come to our side wonderful sure. but we would never impose it on someone else by the same token unfortunately it seems that other secular forces especially are trying to impose their view and their will on people of faith i yes and you know i i liken I, I kind of compare it to this. If I had just discovered pizza and I really liked pizza and you came into my home, I would share that pizza with you. I'd say, have you had any of this? But I wouldn't make you eat it. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's the attitude of most people of faith. And as we share and we're just who we are, no matter which group we come from, we let our light shine and hopefully the world will see that you know, as they taste and they find that freedom is for everyone. I think something else that's been highlighted in this is there is a danger in having regulatory bodies essentially make law. As you pointed out, there was the the owned and operated language that the Supreme Court had upheld mm-hmm. really came from a commission, not from the legislature. Is that correct? That is correct. The rules were promulgated by the Human Rights Commission. I don't recall when. The rules actually go further, much further than the statute did, and those are still on the books, and they essentially say that it the exemption only applies if 100% of the activities are religious and that all of the employees are required to go to the same religious institution as their place or be members of the same religious institution. That is far beyond the intent of the statute. It's far more restrictive. And it, in my thoughts, it illustrates that what some folks can't get by legislation, they try to go and get by regulation. 
and we have to be constantly uh, vigilant, vigilant, and uh, on guard. That um, yes, there are things that are under attack. It's a, it's certainly a truth, uh, but I think we have to just continue to operate in 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 love and in peace, and just you know do the things that which bring freedom to everyone. Is there some kind of an oversight for regulatory bodies? Uh, I mention this because I spent about 30 years living in California, mm-hmm. and the regulatory mm-hmm. situation out there has to have been experienced to be believed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do we have an oversight where we are looking at these regulations as they are promulgated? Yes, there's a twofold step. Number one, when new rules are promulgated or amended, there is a joint legislative committee which has essentially veto power on those proposals. I sit on that committee, by the way. However, once they're on there, after a certain period of time, the problem was they were never reviewed. So a few years ago, I passed a bill which was signed by Governor Jay Nixon, which put every state regulation that's already on the books, and by the way, there's about 10,000 pages of them, under review every five years. And it is a rolling review. The public is notified through the Secretary of State's office. And as those regulations come up, now there's a chance to actually pull them off the books. Before, the only way we could do it, and we still can do this, is to pass a law in the General Assembly which essentially legislates over that regulation or wipes it out. And that's been done before by the legislature. So there's really three options. Well, doesn't the uh, doesn't a statutory uh, ruling a, a law actually override a uh, a regulation, or can a regulation yes. legally override a law? It's what you mentioned first, and that's what I was saying. We can pass a law which essentially supersedes or overrides a regulation. You're correct. But it seems that what the Human Rights Commission did here was to essentially override the statute, or at least attempted to. Well, what they did was. They went, they went further than the statute in their restriction. They didn't contradict the statute, but they went further where the statute was silent. And they do have the authority to do that that's been granted to them in general in their rulemaking power. Interesting. I was unaware of that. Do we have any, any other things on the horizon that we should be looking at, that we should be concerned about? For example, in our neighboring state of Illinois, there is a situation there where they will no longer contract with faith-based uh, adoption agencies because, for example, with uh, Catholic services, which will not place children in uh, same-sex couples or unmarried couples. Mm-hmm. Are, are, is this something on the horizon, or at least that's something that we are aware of and are looking at here in Missouri? Uh, not in the legislature. I'm I'm aware that there are folks that would like to see those restrictions, and honestly, those restrictions don't make sense to me because I think we need to be looking out for, for children, and m- most of the time, the agencies that do that the best are the faith-based agencies, and uh, so I wouldn't want to see the state get in the way of that, but I think we always need to be mindful that, you know, there are folks who have other opinions. I think you're correct on that, sir, and we've we've certainly seen a lot of that. I did a program a few weeks ago, actually, on faith-based adoptions, and something like nationwide, I think it's something like 20% of all foster of all foster placements and adoptions are handled through faith-based organizations. If this was not allowed, it would certainly overwhelm the existing secular or state-run agencies. And frankly, a lot of the state-run agencies don't have a very good record. Mm-hmm. Well, I uh, 
certainly want to do all I can to see, you know, children taken care of, to see uh, the freedom of f- out there for uh, those faith-based and private, even non-faith-based private uh, adoption agencies to be able to, to do the things that are good for kids, and I'd rather not see restrictions on them from the state. From a tactical point of view, sir, how did you get involved in SB 43? You didn't author this bill. You, um, In fact, I'm not even... Are you even a co-sponsor of that, sir? I know that you had language inserted, but... I'm not a co-sponsor of 43. I sponsored a bill which only changed those two words that I mentioned Uh. before. And so it was similar content, and uh, the sponsor of 43 was willing to put it in there. And uh, good things happen when we come together. Well, how are you approached on that, sir? How how, how are you aware of it? it, This is kind of a situation that really could have gone right under the radar. In fact, I think probably did for a couple of years. Well, I've been working on it, uh, and I know there there have been efforts in the legislature in the past. This year, I was asked to uh, handle it. And I agreed to do that, and I wanted to boil it down to the essence of the issue. And I think uh, we were able to do that, and we were successful, and I give credit to uh, all of the other people. I did not play a major role other than uh, than trying to just do a little interference, so to speak, to use a sports analogy. Put it in places that it would fit, and... Um, just try to try to move it move it move it along, if you will. Well, one of the things I noticed that actually I, I see as a, a bit of a ray of, of uh, sunshine and hope here was uh, I gather that the ACLU and other organizations were aware of what was going on with this bill and had no objection to it. Uh, they in in past years, many groups such as the ACLU and including the ACLU have testified against the bill and. Um, they uh, had some concerns with it, testified against it in previous year years, excuse me, and uh, did not this year. Is there any reason why they did not, sir, or did they share that with you? What I'm at liberty to say is that um, I really enjoy working with all people, and I appreciate the good relationships in this building, the Capitol, the state of Missouri, and I appreciate the people that represent those organizations. And... Um, when I talk about unity in the country and unity in the state, I really mean that. And I saw it play out. They did what they had to do. I did what I had to do. We were friendly. We were amicable. And uh, I, although I might disagree often with groups such as them, they're good people to work with, and I salute their statesmanship. Did you work closely with uh, with any Democrats in the Senate or the, or the General Assembly? Yes, I Try to make it a practice to do that as often as I can. As you pointed out, we've got we've got have got some very serious divisions in this country and in the state of Missouri as well. And I applaud you, sir, for trying to reach out. I'm hoping, as I said, I, I regard the fact that uh, the ACLU and other groups did not choose to challenge at this time. And apparently, uh, since it passed overwhelmingly, I know in the General Assembly, and I think it did in the Senate as well. Right. Uh, was I'm assuming there was some bipartisan support for this. There was. There was. You know, there's good people in the legislature. The people who serve in public office have been often maligned in the press and political campaigns, even recently. We're, we, we rank low on the, the list of professions, so to speak. But I want to tell you, the Missouri Senate in particular and the legislature in general is full of men and women of honor. And 
I'm very pleased to serve with them. There's some great people. And I want the people of Missouri, Lutherans, and everyone else to know that uh, despite what you see on the news, despite what you hear or what you might read in the paper, there are good people serving in the halls of government. Senator, could you tell people how they can learn more about Missouri government? I know there are some websites. Uh, you can even check the status of various bills and all. Uh, could you tell, tell us about that? Certainly. Uh, I would just send folks to both the Senate and House website. It's senate.mo.gov and then house.mo.gov. They can track bills. They can see who their legislator is. They can contact. There's all the contact information on there. And, uh, of course, my information is on there. I'm open to hearing from folks from everywhere. You know, we are state representatives and we're state senators. We don't just represent the people who sent us here. We represent all the people in our area, but our decisions impact the entire population of Missouri. So we're we're open to hearing from folks from around the state. But I would encourage people to uh, reach out and make a connection. It's all about connection and you know building those bridges and relationships. If if a citizen feels strongly one way or the other as far as partisanship, go ahead and reach out to your legislator and build a, build a, a relationship with them if they're of the same or other party and have influence. I believe it's important for people of faith to seek ways to have influence. Well, we in the Lutheran Church adhere to the doctrine of the right-hand kingdom of the Church of the Spirit and the left-hand kingdom of the secular world, and that they do interact, and we have obligations to it. I value that. Senator, I want to thank you very much for taking the time to discuss this issue with us and to let the people know how they can be involved. This is a very important issue, and indeed, so much that happens in Jefferson City impacts everybody here in this wonderful state of Missouri. Well, we let the people, we let the people guide us with their discernment and their input. But their welfare has to be the supreme law. That's our state motto. It's wonderful to talk to you, Kip. Thanks for taking the time. Very much, Senator. Thank you so much. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.